If you're considering a career in medicine, this show is for you. I'm going to be talking to a variety of healthcare professionals who are going to share the reality of what it takes to have a successful career in medicine. The good, the bad, the inspiring, the funny. My name is Michelle Nesky. I'm a physician assistant and your host about to bring you Beyond the Scope. If you've done research into applying to physician assistant school, you know how crazy it is with all the different requirements, programs out there, and how do you choose which one is best for you? Well, luckily, two of my friends and PAs created an amazing platform that you can do this all in one place called My PA Box. Research schools by state, track your hours, look up all the requirements literally in one spot at mypabox.com. You can also use their PA school match to enter in all your demographic information, your GPA, whether or not you took the GRE or PA CAT, and filter for schools that would be the best fit for you. You guys, this has been game changing for pre-PAs and I use it all the time with my clients. You can go ahead and get a one-year subscription and because you're listening to this podcast, if you use Posh PA 15, you can get 15% off your one-year subscription. You will not regret this. If you are a pre-PA, it will sort things out so much for you and just make it easier to do the research on the programs that are the best fit for you. So check them out, mypabox.com. Okay. Well, I'm really excited you guys because today I'm going to be speaking to Andrew Baker. Andrew is a graduate of the University of Finley Physician Assistant Program in May of 2012. He was the class president and member of the Ana Society. What? Phi Kappa Phi. As a PAC, Andrew has worked in reconstructive plastic surgery, emergency medicine, and dermatology. Currently, he practices full-time doing both in medical and surgical derm. That's amazing. Andrew has always had a passion for helping others, and he's mentored and coached many PAs and colleagues who were troubled financially. (laughs) Maybe I should hire him. Um, This became a continued passion with a desire to learn more. For these reasons, he went back to school and graduated with a Master's of Business Administration from the University of Finley in May 2020. This education further shaped Andrew's desire to learn more about the financial decision-making and how it impacts the career of physician assistants. He started PA for Finance, a financial advisory company designed specifically for PAs in any phase. Currently, he works with pre-PAs, PA students, practicing PAs, and anyone else in the spectrum of the profession. So welcome to Andrew. I'm so excited. I definitely should have your services and sign you up because I'm definitely not the best with finances. So I'm excited to have you here. Um, obviously, virtually. Yeah, you. <laughs> Um, and I actually found you on LinkedIn. Um, is that where you predominantly, uh, post most of your stuff? Yeah, that and Facebook, but I would say overall I use LinkedIn more. Yeah. I haven't used LinkedIn probably as much as I should, but, um, I definitely saw some of your posts there and I was like, wow, this is really, really interesting and really cool. So, um, so before we get into sort of your finance aspect, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, how you decided to go to PA school, when when you went, and what you've done since graduation. Okay, yeah, great. Thank you very much. I'm really happy to be here. Um, so I went to, uh, I'm from Ohio. I've lived in Ohio my whole life. I started, I went to the Ohio State University, and I graduated at that time with a biology major, and that was in 2007. 
and while I was kind of exploring um, options to do after graduation, I tossed around several different ideas. Um, but uh, while I was in college, I unfortunately was involved in a bad motor vehicle crash. Wow. And I was hospitalized for about two and a half weeks. And I had to have some orthopedic surgeries. And that's when I met the first PA that, I've, that I ever recall meeting. Uh, it was an orthopedic PA. And I found that um, besides the actual surgery that I had, he took care of everything, all of my follow-up visits. Um, you know, every time I, when I was in the hospital, um, he would come in around and, and see me. Uh, he basically did everything, and I really hardly ever even saw the surgeon. So that's when I started understanding that there was this profession out there that I really knew very little about. Mm-hmm. So after graduation, um, I was tossing around some ideas what to do. And my sister, actually, who was three years older than me, started going to PA school uh, around that time. And so I was, it, yeah, I was, and I was able to pick her brain a little bit about what she was learning in school and just to really hear how satisfied she was with everything she was learning in PA school at that time. So um, I, I worked for two and a half years after graduation clinically uh, at a few different hospitals. I was like a patient care tech at one hospital and then a, I think a patient care assistant or something. And, and a lot of what I did just kind of by default, I, and I fell into these positions when applying at these hospitals was a, a patient care tech in surgery. So that's when I really started having realizing that, that I, I love surgery. And in yeah. my mind, I've had, I've had an orthopedic surgery. I had worked in surgery for about two and a half years at that time. And when I started applying to, then I, I was definitely uh, set on applying to PA school because I met numerous other PAs in those surgery s- sites at that time. Um, back, you know, in the, in the, you know, 2007, eight, nine is the years I'm talking about. Nurse practitioners were not really involved in surgery at that time. It was predominantly uh, PAs. And so that really solidified it for me. And I was, I was 100% sure while applying to PA school and even during my interviews to PA schools that I was going to go into orthopedic surgery for kind of all (laughs) the reasons, yeah, for all the reasons that we just spoke about. So um, that's kind of what led me to, um, to PA school. Um, then I, and so I went did to, you ultimately go in orthopedic surgery or no? Well, that's, that's really funny. <laughs> the short, the short answer is no. Okay. <laughs> um, I had some opportunities. So first of all, when I was in PA school, I, I, I really liked almost all my rotations. So I, I started applying aggressively to jobs about five months before graduation. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had tons of interviews. And some of them were orthopedics, and I actually had a job opportunity for two orthopedic jobs, but I declined them after, you know, just um, experiencing PA school and really having much more of a knowledge base about what PAs can do. And it's not that orthopedics is not a wonderful specialty, and I think if I would have chosen that, I probably would have enjoyed it. But for me, and the and the jobs available at that time, I, I just I never chose it, and I was even right. going to be. My like like my master's thesis that we had to do for PA school was was over an orthopedic topic, so that was always the plan. But sometimes life gives you curveballs, and you got to just go with the punches, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's kind of interesting because you know, I I was somebody who went into PA school with not really a good idea of what I wanted to do, and then there were very many people like you 
who were like, I came here for this. This is Uh what I'm doing. (laughs) And, and, you know, some of them went on to do that and then others, you know, didn't, it just, it's funny how, you know, your life and trajectory changes and maybe some of your interests change, you know, a little bit. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's good to keep an open mind kind of going through that process. Definitely. And that would be my advice for all the the pre PAs and people in PA school is to go in with an open mind because you learn so much in PA school, especially on your rotations about um, what you can do. And I, I, I wish I was, I guess hindsight's always 2020. I, I wish I would have been more open-minded, although I never let anyone know in my clinicals what I was interested in or what sure. I thought I was going into. I, I kind of led them to believe because I, in, in my heart, I wanted to do as best as I could at that rotation. So I, I didn't want them to look look at me differently if I if they knew sure. I had zero interest in that specialty. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, it, it's it's funny. I meet, you know, I get a, I get questions a lot from people on what should I pick as my elective rotation? How do I know what to choose? You know, now, did you do an orthopedic surgery elective or no? Well, I, I had, I was signed up to do an orthopedic elective for a place that I was a doctor who was helping me do my master's thesis in orthopedics and my, my university somehow dropped the ball in the paperwork and it fell through one week before. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I had to backtrack and I actually did a second uh, rotation in in internal medicine because I had a good relationship with that, with that practice. And so I did that there which worked out just fine. But I, I guess this was just all part of the process that I was destined to not have a career in orthopedics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right. So tell us about what your first job was and sort of how that all came to play. Okay. Well, as I mentioned, I was, I'm was i from uh, Ohio and I worked in Columbus, Ohio at when I was the patient care assistant position, I worked mm-hmm. at the Ohio University Medical Center, which is a big yeah. academic medical center. And I actually came across especially there that I was fascinated with. And I, I always used to spend time in the operating room just observing them, which is reconstructive plastic surgery. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I always thought plastic surgery in my mind was cosmetic procedures. And maybe, you know, I had a little bit of knowledge about skin grafts, maybe, but that was it. Yeah. So I, when I, during my process of applying to jobs, I, 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 I can distinctively remember these really large, um, procedures, uh, like flap, free flap procedures where they would remove a tissue from one part of the body to cover a defect or a hole in another part of a body from like a big cancer surgery. Yeah. So I felt that I needed to apply to that job just, um, because I, I was still interested in. It. So I went and just, they weren't, advertising for a job opening and I went to their office and dropped off my resume and I had about six or seven hours of interviews through multiple days with them and ended up getting a job um, which was great that's great but at that time it was the I want to I don't want to say the least I think I had honestly I think I had seven job offers at the, by graduation wow that's and awesome it, and, it, and it yeah it was, it was an exciting time and it was I want to say the the lowest paying or the second lowest paying out of all of them. But I wanted to take the job as a new grad because I knew that they had a good residency program for physicians and they kind of incorporated me into um, 
their residency training program. So I, I got to really train with the residents who like third, fourth, fifth, or sixth year res- you know, surgical residents. Right. Mm-hmm. So they taught they taught me a lot, especially how to sew. Yeah. So um, that that was kind of my my first job, and I worked there for a while, and I really enjoyed it. And I'm I'm still I'm still close today with some of the some of the people I worked with, even the residents who have moved on to other cities. That's awesome. So you wind up going into like a more of a dermatology specialty after, you know, years of thinking orthopedics. And I feel like that's also sort of the glory, right, of this profession Mm -hmm. is that you can actually do that. And a lot of the reason why a lot of people choose it is because, you know, you can change your mind and and still, you know, have a very satisfying career. Um, And also, so have you always worked in more of an academic setting or have no. you been in private well, too? I've done several different things. So okay. I've, I've worked the first probably, um, oh gosh, four to five years. I mean, this is my ninth year. So four to mm-hmm. five years, I worked at an academic or a tertiary medical center. Yeah. Um, and then I, now uh, I, I kind of moved about um, a little bit away from the city back to a more smaller area where I'm from originally. And, and I, I work uh, now at a, a private practice, which okay. there's, um, yeah, so it's, I work in dermatology now. So it's kind of interesting how I got this position. So I, I ended up working in the ER for a few years also after the, I switched after the surgery for a few years, which is a really great experience. I, I learned a lot about just patience mm-hmm. and um, just a lot about medicine in, gen- in general from the emergency medicine. So when we relocated with my family, we, I still have my ER job and I worked there uh, full time, which was 12, 12 hour shifts per month, which is what was full time. But there was a dermatology practice that uh, had an older physician that needed help uh, doing skin cancer surgeries. And so sure. I started doing that every, every Friday, I had control of my ER schedule. I, I had a, I was what was called the lead advanced pr- practice clinician in the ER group. So I, I was in, there was um, eight other PAs and nurse practitioners that I was uh, kind of managing. So I had a little bit of control of my schedule. So okay. I worked every Friday while in the ER for two years and, and doing small skin cancer surgeries, like um, an abnormal mole that's concerning for melanoma or mm-hmm. basal cell skin cancer, squamous cell skin cancer. And ultimately this transition into the, this, um, the dermatologist asked me to come on full time and I still do uh, surgeries there um, nice. strictly. Yeah. I always called it procedures. You know, that was kind of just always the way I looked at it because I'm not a right. surgeon I'm not, and I'm not a doctor, but they, they, the, my schedule says surgeries, the whole, all the nurses say surgery. So that's kind of yeah. <laughs> what I refer to it now. Yeah. So I do the, uh, I do I do straight surgeries there Tuesdays and Thursdays excuse me Tuesdays and Fridays, and then the rest of the days I I just do regular medical dermatology and we do not really do any cosmetics. Okay, so that's pretty awesome. So what would you say? So now you a couple of questions I I usually get from people from pre PA even to students is. Um, how hard was it for you to make these transitions from surgery to ER to dermatology? What was the learning curve like um, for you kind of going from one to the other? Well, there's most certainly a learning curve. And mm-hmm. I would say it's, it's 
different at different stages of your career. Because when mm-hmm. you're a new graduate, you're just excited about being out there and really you know, using the skills that you've been learning over the last several years. And but but really, as a new graduate, there's you you just have the tip of the iceberg as far as knowledge and and really the day to day practice is, is how you learn. So that that's an expected learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you switch specialties, there's there's differences. You know, even if it's you know, if you switch from a one surgery group to another, there's there's differences, let alone, you know, ER to, from surgery to ER and ER is, you know, that's kind of the one, especially there's like zero follow-up. Like you have one opportunity to see this patient, assess whether they have a, you know, acute life-threatening problem, mm-hmm. you know, whether they need to be hospitalized or discharged home. So I felt the biggest learning curve I had was going from surgery to ER because the ER mindset is so different. Yes. Than any other area that I was in. And not that, yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. I loved ER for years. I, and I still, mm-hmm. I still, I was working PRN up till uh, July of 2020. So I haven't been out yeah. of it that long. But, and then the dermatology was probably the smoothest transition because I had worked there for about two years. I ended up working two days a week uh, doing these procedures ultimately. So I knew the staff, I knew the office. So that was a relatively smooth transition, but I would expect any, anyone to have a, a rather, you know, challenging few months, anytime you start a job or change specialties. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I went from a internal medicine in, in hospital, like completely inpatient setting to sort of like a dual outpatient GI setting to like a, like in and out a medical oncology setting. And the one thing I can say is that the, you know, I worked for a year in internal med only six months in GI. And then I've been in oncology ever since. So the biggest transition for me was not the first one because you have to learn how to be a PA. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but like, not only do you, yeah, like not only do you need to learn medicine, more medicine, because you're trained, but you need to learn how to be a PA, how to act with patients, how to act with physicians, how to act with the team. Um, and there's a huge learning curve there. And so even though my learning curve for oncology was so significant from a medical knowledge standpoint, at least I knew how to function as a PA. And that made a huge difference. So I think that you're right. At each stage in your career, it's so different. And I've moved, you know, three times since. And in every position, it's different. Even though I've been in oncology, it's a different environment. Community oncology, academic medicine, you know, kind of a mid-sized cancer center that I'm at, at now, there's just, it's just different. So you have to adapt in certain ways, but I feel like it does get a little bit more smooth because you actually know how to perform your job as a PA. And I think that that makes it a huge comfort level. Like at least, you know, how to talk to patients, at least, you know, what to do when you don't know what to do <laughs> sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think that's, um, a really important point when you're sort of moving through different specialties. And, and I think people are kind of freaked out about that in some ways, but at the same time, you know, if I had to turn around tomorrow and take a job, you know, at a different specialty, I would need to learn so much and it would be a learning curve, but I would be comfortable in the fact that I knew how to take care of patients in one way, in a certain way. And so I think that makes it a little bit easier when you transition. 
Yeah. And to your point, I mean, your skill set just is enlarging over time and your knowledge right. base is even, even if it's in different specialties. And also I like, like you and I, I've met a lot of people who believe it or not, it, it takes a few different jobs to really find out where your niche is. Yeah. Um, and not that, you, not that you need to go out there expecting that you're, this is just a, a trial job by any means, but in, you know, with, with COVID going on and the jobs mm-hmm. not being maybe as readily available as they were for you and I in the years past, you know, getting a job and getting experience is important, even if it's not your dream job right, right off the bat, because I would have a hard time thinking about any PAs I know that have, had had one job and have been there for nine years in a row. Yeah. I'd say it's quite, quite rare. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I always tell that to new grads too. Like the first job you take is probably not going to be your dream job. If it is great, but like, if it's not, you don't know, you never know. You take a chance. Like I took a chance on the oncology job because I lived in Miami. I knew I was going to be there for a while. I wasn't sure. I spent a half day there beside before I took the job. I knew it was going to be hard. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a chance anyway. And look where, you know what I mean? And then look what happens and you find sort of your spot. So always be open-minded and willing to sort of look at different opportunities that you weren't necessarily expecting. Um, yeah, is, yeah. is important. Um, so as we sort of, um, so tell us a little bit about how you then transitioned from, well, you're still practicing obviously. So tell us how you got interested in this sort of, um, I guess, alternative interest of finance and business, because that is a huge thing that medical providers um, struggle with in terms of, you know, budgeting, planning for debt as you go into school. I mean, I got DMs today saying, how did you pay for your living costs? Like the cost of this is very scary to me. So how did you sort of get into that? Was that always an interest or was that something that you were like, maybe went through yourself personally (laughs) and then changed your mind? Like, so, so tell us about that. Okay. Yeah. Well, this started, um, Basically, immediately after I graduated PA school in 2012, I found that, um, so one of the reasons why I was aggressively applying for jobs is my wife was pregnant with our first Mm. child. Uh, And so there was a little bit of um, a need to, to you know, the understanding was I need to get a job as quick as I can because life's about to change. (laughs) Right. Big time. So um, (laughs) at this time, and it took forever to get credentialed at a job. It took mm-hmm. three months to get credentialed at, at the academic center. So I had time on my hands waiting for my job to start and waiting for our son to be born. So I started deciding how, you know, well, I, at this point is the first time I ever really considered what I was going to do with my loan. Then I had a, I, I had a little over a hundred thousand total of debt mm-hmm. at that point in time. And so I, I kind of met with a, a financial planner. I wanted to you know get like, you know, my life insurance, uh, disability yeah. insurance. Uh, and I, I had no idea. Somebody, a friend of the family kind of advised me that I should do that since we we're having our child. And I went in there and I, and I met with this individual and it was times where he was asking me, so when are you going, when are you going to go back and be a doctor or what exactly is the PA? <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's not quite as common today as it was, you know, 10, roughly 10 years ago, but Mm-hmm. And I and I, I just felt that there was all this uncertainty surrounding that visit. 
but it ended with him telling me that I was like, had a plus a, a negative 100,000 <laughs> net worth. Uh, my debt to income ratio was like in the red. And really Yikes. the only plan I had for my um, student loans, undergrad and graduate school were to pay it off the minimum payments for 25 years right. up until that day. I never considered anything else. Yeah. And my family, I don't have a lot of college graduates in my immediate family. My, my sister was, she was a few years ahead of me, but she was just paying the minimum payments at that time as well. And mm-hmm. my uncle who was in the business world recommended I read the book, Dave Ramsey, Total Money Makeover. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was, this is a very straightforward book uh, about just how to pay off debt. Yeah. And, and beyond that, Dave Ramsey, you know, he has a lot of different things he, he preaches, but I think just understanding the negative, the negative, uh, how, how bad debt can be, if it, especially if it, you know, continues to grow over time, how much it can affect your life negatively. And so I, yeah. I, I kind of like, you know, I, I was very interested in it at that time, but ultimately I wanted to be a good PA first. Because right. that's what I sought out to do. I wanted to put all of my effort and my, my education outside reading. You know, when I wasn't with my, my family, I wanted to put it towards my profession. So I kind of put it on the back burner for a few years. And, and then I started feeling more, more confident about being a PA and my knowledge base. And I started doing some excessive reading and meeting with financial planners more often, um, podcasts, uh, all these things. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, when, as you can comment, Michelle, you know, you meet a lot of really wonderful people who do oh, things yeah. that you never thought were possible in life <laughs> when you work yeah. all these different places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of just were picking these people's brains who have done this before me and, and who are who are doing well. And I felt comfortable asking them questions, you know, not not about how much they made or how much debt they had, but just exactly, you know, how how did they navigate through, you know, being a PA, wanting to enjoy your life, but not buying too much or driving too nice of a car or yeah. buying too big of a home. And that, that took me years to figure out, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Yeah. And so, yeah. uh, I, I, this over, over, this is years and years kind of combining that, that I, I felt a continued passion for personal finance and business. And at that, I, I, at this, ultimately I had a, I had a leadership role when I was going to these leadership meetings with like the, the CEO of the company in, in Knoxville, Tennessee, and just really getting to learn some from some high level executives and just um, just trying to improve my my skill set as not only a clinician but as a as a as a professional. Yeah. And so I decided to go back and get my MBA at that time. Yeah. And my goal at that time was to use this MBA to learn business and to also help propel me through um, a leadership uh, into yeah. more of a high, 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 higher level directive, director or executive director, ultimately. But, you know, again, life does things that you sometimes don't plan for and opportunities arose. Um, there was this company started having major problems. And so that, that's kind of when I, I, I was able to transition full time to my dermatology job mm-hmm. and just stay on PRN and the ER. Yeah. And all the while, I, I found myself working with other PAs who are new graduates or even PA students that I was precepting. So I, I, I love sure. precepting students. Yeah. And, and they kind of were asking me questions and I was kind of, you know, curbsiding, just offering them 
you know, things that worked for me over time and how I pay, how I was able to pay off my, my school loans and how do you save and so on and so forth. So it, it was just a year after year after year learning process for myself. Yeah. And then ultimately, um, the, the MBA gave me, I feel the skills that I needed to start my own business because I, I've never owned a business before. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Um, yeah. I will say that, you know, it's a very interesting, um, you, we, we have a very similar trajectory. So, you know, I mean, I think that you find something that you're passionate about outside of medicine and then you're like, well, this is something that's great, but my primary focus is my job that I went to school for and that I trained for, right? So you're like, well, you know, I like doing this, but I have a responsibility. So for me, I didn't have any children, but my husband was in training. So, you know, he didn't make very much and I was making the full-time income um, for the two of us and for a long time. And it, like you said, it's very hard um, to budget for yourself when, you know, when you're dealing with a lot of debt as well. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, like finances give me anxiety. Like I get palpitations when I have to look at my bank account It is not a scene that I I like. I don't, it makes me, <laughs> it's like the number one cause of my anxiety, but I will say that, you know, um, when you're sort of there and you're sort of going through the process, you're like, Oh, well I can just spend a couple dollars on this and I can spend a couple dollars on that. And here I am like, in my mid forties and I should have paid off everything. And, you know, I have a small amount on one loan that I have left. Right. And so I think what happens is that, you know, from a financial standpoint, you sort of gain debt when you go to PA school and then you're like, well, I'm just going to pay it back when I get out and I'll just pay the minimum payments like forever, <laughs> like you said. And there's so many different mm -hmm. ways to sort of, make that not happen. That's number one. Number two is that pursuing an interest outside of medicine came on for me pretty quickly and unexpectedly. And you're like, sort of like you, I love to teach students, right? So I love to teach students. I love to help them. And my, you know, the Posh PA started because I helped, I started helping people I worked with, you know, with their personal statements and, and, um, really wanting to be a PA and finding out what was and giving them advice and, you know, helping. And then it just sort of grew and grew and, <laughs> into this, you know, crazy thing. I had never owned a business. I had never uh, run a business. And, and, and so you wind up learning so much and then realizing where you want this to go and realizing who you can help and why you want to help them, um, I think is huge. And so now that you've started, you know, kind of helping do you, you help everybody like pre-pas pa students like kind of what is your how do you help them so everyone in the pa spectrum so pre-pas pa students new grads and experienced pas and okay. kind of as you mentioned you know i i think it 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 takes something to come out and say you know this makes me uncomfortable and i think we all have things in yeah. our life um, whether it's personal or professional that when they're when that's the topic, it makes you feel uncomfortable. And, and that's okay. I, I have things in my life too. Yeah. But finance has always been something I've been interested in. I, you know, yeah. I wanted to, for years, I was more self-taught, like you said, but then um, you, you just learn more over time from being around a lot of really smart people. So this initially, when I thought about this, it was going to kind of be the, the, the new grad and experienced PAs. But then I realized, and this is before I even started it, then I realized that there's a, you know, 
free PA did not exist when I was in uh, undergrad. It was it was just a, a pre med degree. Yes, um, yes. And so, <laughs> and then then I and I, I met a lot of people and students that were you know at some of the place I was working that were that were pre pre PAs. So I've actually um, hosted a webinar um, with AAPA for pre 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 PAs um, back in December. It's on their career center. That's awesome. Um, because, you know, my, my, my thought is, is why not get a little bit of knowledge before you get started? And yeah. some people did not come from families that had, you know, any financial knowledge or any, any, <laughs> I'm trying to find the, the politically correct way to say it, but did, didn't understand how to manage their money. Exactly. And that can yeah. really wear on their children and their family. And some people, um, you know, have been victim to that. And so pre-PAs, I feel, are one of the most critical because it, you don't need to have a solidified plan. You know, I already kind of talked about that, but just having an idea of what not to do. And if you, you know, there's just a, some subtle things that you can be tricked into believing are true as far, in re, as, far as refinancing or when you need to get private loans versus federal loans. Mm -hmm. There's all these things that starts the process because before you know it, you're going to be so wrapped up in PA school, you truly just forget about those things for years yes. until you graduate. Right. <laughs> and then right. it's, and then it's there staring you in the face. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's so true. I mean, I think that, you know, I get questions a lot of the time about how many schools should I apply to and where should I go and this and that. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't want you to necessarily make a decision based on your finance, the financial impact, but it is a very important thing to consider. Um, because if you're going in state Absolutely. versus out of state or private versus public, what does that look like for you? It's something you have to at least think about. And I think budgeting even for the pre-PA process and then getting in, you know, and, and doing a webinar like that and just really saying like what to expect, like what to expect mm -hmm. from your debt, you know, like when you come out, I think is huge. And rather than being, you're being proactive rather than being reactive. And I feel like in a lot of ways, medicine is a lot of reactive <laughs> instead of proactive. But at the same time, I think, you know, like you said, you would obviously think, oh, I need to talk to students and I need to talk to PAs, but hitting the pre-PA group is also super important. Yeah. And, and just to comment on, on your, how you brought about cho uh, choosing your school, that is huge. You know, yeah. some people have like their, their top three schools that they think about. Um, and if you have, if you look and there's three and they're all pretty similar and one 50,000 more than the other one is, it yeah. should be a no brainer. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, your family, um, you might have some relatives or friends that have gone to these schools and it, it can mean something to you personally. And, you know, there's, you, you have to take all it into consideration, but yeah, 50,000 more of school loans to get the same degree and probably the same job afterwards. Mm -hmm. It's, I, it's just, it's difficult. It's not to say that you could never do that, but if you're going to be paying for your school and your living expenses on your own and, there, and there's that big of a difference, I would really caution you to pick that school. Yeah. And, and I mean, and think about even just the living expenses. So like, let's say even if you, you know, I think the thing is like you see the tuition, but then you forget about everything else. So it's like, yeah. you know, but I have to live and I have to pay rent somewhere. And I have, if you move, you know, and I don't have any family support and all the things, I mean, it is definitely something that has to be considered as part yeah. of your factor 
in choosing a school. And some people want to, you know, move from, you know, for Ohio and, and they've always wanted to move to California and go to PA school in California. Well, the cost of living is significantly higher in California mm-hmm. than it is in Ohio. That's and I'm so is the tuition. Example. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> but then also even beyond PA school, you know, you get a job, you're going to start making really good money out of school. Um, more, most people who graduate PA school have never made that much in their life. And it's a really exciting time and it should be, yeah. but moving to a, a very expensive city you know, as a, as a new grad who has a lot of debt that comes with, that's another, you know, topic of conversation as well as, you know, working for a year or two somewhere without moving to your, your dream location and your, your dream city with all these, you know, really, you know, high living expenses because it all adds up and, you know, it's, it's hard to figure that out when you first graduate. It is. And I feel like a lot of the things that I wind up telling a lot of the students that I work with is they seem everybody's in a rush. Everybody is in yes. a rush. I want to, I, I want to get into my career. I'm ready. I want to get this. I want to get out there. I want to start working. I want to live in the place I want to live. I want to do the things, but you know, there is, I understand that we are a, we are a society of instant gratification. Like I get it, but there are some things that you cannot rush. And I think that if you're smart about it, you will have the life that you want. But if you're just dead set on, I'm going to move to California or I'm going to move to New York and I don't care how much it costs. Like I'm a, I'm a PA now and I want to do it. You got to think about the long, the end game, like sort of the long game. Everybody's thinking about the short game. And <clears throat> excuse me, I really try to tell the students that you have years of your life that you're going to practice. And yep. it's just really important to set yourself up for success, even if that means not taking that, you know, job or or maybe not going to that one school in you know, New York for $75,000 more or moving to New York the first thing you do after graduation or whatever it is. And so it's a hard thing because everybody wants, <laughs> you know, what they want. And I yeah. think over the years, what I have learned personally is that had I looked more at the long game when I was younger, things would be a little bit easier now. And so that's what I'm trying to kind of teach people is that even if, you know, they've been practicing for 15 years, you can still have debt if you're not smart mm-hmm. about it. You know, oh, when yeah. you, it's when you very start common to still have debt. Yeah. Very common. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I think what you're yeah. doing is really important. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, I've lived through it. I've, I've been a pre PA. Well, you know, I was a pre-med, but still same thing. Yeah. I've been a PA student. I've been, been a new graduate. I've, I've, I've been through the struggles, which is, which is why this is a really, big passion of mine to help other people's help other people get through the struggles easier than I did and help them so they don't make the same mistakes and um, can really, you know, at the end of the day, my goal is, you know, when you come across another PA, it's like you connect with them immediately, whether you're on the street or it's in the hospital. So I I have this, I have this kind of desire to just help other PAs be successful. So our, our career, our profession continues to prosper um, you can have, you know, do the things that you set out in your life to do when you want to go to PA school. I mean, at the end of the day, we we work, you know, a lot many hours of our life, but you, there's a, still such a large part of your life 
you want to be able to enjoy. And I've seen so many people who have to work weekends and evenings and holidays because they've, they've established this lifestyle that they just can't afford with, with a 40 hour a week. And it, and it really adds up over time and it can become a major stress in their life, their marriage. You know, there's, there's lots of, um, people get really judgmental of their patients and it's mm-hmm. because they're, they're there all the time. And it, it, right. having that work life balance is really hard, which is why I know a lot of people pick PA over, uh, you know, physician. So mm-hmm. just, just don't forget that when, when you're going to, you know, remember why you chose a profession and, you know, you don't, you shouldn't have that much. You shouldn't have the debt that a, a, a doctor has. Um, and they make more than we do, which is, which is fine. But you have to understand that and, and have a plan so you don't yeah. fall into a trap of lifelong debt. I mean, I 100% agree. I mean, it's, um, you know, number two reason why people want to be a PA is work-life balance. And what I tell people all the time is that this profession does not automatically give you work-life balance. You have to create <laughs> that for yourself. Well said. <laughs> and I, you know, I mean, it just, uh, yes, we have the opportunity to have a better work-life balance, but that is something that you are going to have to be an active participant in creating because yeah. you just don't sign up to be PA and all of, all of a sudden you have work-life balance because you're not a doctor. That's not how it works. It signs mm-hmm. that you, you have to be an active participant in that. And one of, one of the ways that that means is financially too. I mean, I think a lot of people yeah. think about family and part-time versus this and that, but another really important piece of that is the financial aspect. So I think that's really, um, a really important thing, you know, that you mentioned that not every, you know, person that's signing up to get into this profession really thinks about, um, yeah, well, I know I didn't. Yeah, I didn't either. (laughs) I was like, oh yeah. And then, you know, and then with Dave being a doctor, I mean, forget it, you know? So, um, and I will Mm -hmm. say just to be very, you know, uh, real, like I normally am, finances have been a huge impact on Dave and I's marriage. Huge. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not something that you can take lightly. It's something that you have to be, have an open conversation about a lot of the times with your partner, whoever it is, or even with yourself or your parents, um, whoever's important in your life to say, what can I do about this and how can I make it better? And how can I make sure that, you know, for yourself and your family that you're going to be financially stable and be able to have the life you want to have. And so I think, and like you said, there are many people that have had no um, example of this ever. They Mm -hmm. don't know anything about it. Um, Or, or even myself who, you know, I'm a, you know, just a white girl from New Jersey and I had very solid parents and I still like had no idea what that meant to manage my money and, and do all of that. And so I think it's really important, um, for, you know, our community and our profession in the pre-PA setting, just to educate and just give some tools and knowledge about what to expect, you know, about this profession and, and going forward. Yeah, definitely. I, I wish I could echo everything you just said. Um, and all something else I found is, and I mentioned this earlier, 
you know, meeting with a, you can do like, there's, you know, financial advisor, certified financial planners. These people are all wonderful and they get a little bit more into investing. I really don't do too much specific investing at this point in time. It's more kind of like the financial decision-making process as you go Mm -hmm. through your career and you graduate, so on and so forth. But, you know, I don't sell insurance. You know, a lot, a lot yeah. of, you know, I, I've had to drop financial planners because they kept trying to make me increase my life insurance policy mm-hmm. because that's how they get paid. And, and that's fine. That's, that's their job. I'm not taking anything away from that. But my goal is to help PAs and pre-PAs, you know, get, get the, really enjoy their career to the fullest extent. And yeah. and I, I, I like saying, make the most out of your hard-earned money because, you know, undergrad to get into PA school, to get through PA school is a huge, you know, uh, mountain yeah. to climb. Let let alone yeah. when you when you work every day and when you get these nice paychecks and you see it dwindling away from all these these debt payments. That's that's what made it become real for me. When yeah. I would I would get this paycheck and then by the end of the month I'm like, wow, where did it all go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, where did it all go? Um, and that's so awesome because I don't really, you know there are some PAs out there talking about finance and, and doing um, a lot of that. And I just think we need more of it from, for our profession, the more and more PAs that we see. So where can people find you? So you are PA for finance on LinkedIn and Mm -hmm. on Facebook. Is that your handle? Facebook? uh, Yes, as well. Uh, And Instagram also. Okay. So it's PA four, like the number (laughs) Uh finance. So you can find um, Andrew there. And um, I will certainly be sending my pre PAs your way when they have financial questions, because I am not the role model for them in that situation. Um, And I really, really appreciate you sharing um, your story and how I can see just how passionate you are about this. And I, I think it's um, for your own, you know, I started this business from also a personal experience of not having anyone in my family be medical and not knowing what the hell I did, you know, or what I was doing to try to become a PA. And it sounds like because of your struggles and because of your experience, you've now turned that into something that you can uh, pay it forward to other uh, people. And I, and I really love that. So I really appreciate you being here and taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, no problem. I, it's it's been a real pleasure to speak with you and hear some of your great stories that you shared. So I, I want to thank you very much. Yeah, awesome. Okay, you guys. So if you want to find Andrew, um, he is PA for finance on all his social media platforms. And if you have any financial questions, I'm going to direct you there. <laughs> so have a yeah, great night, and Andrew. I, <laughs> yeah, and, and please, you can message me on LinkedIn, on Facebook. You can uh, email me. And also, um, I have, I can have, we can have a sit down, have a free call sometime just to kind of, awesome. if there, you just have a few, few small questions and see if I can help you in any way or, or just a run a quick, you know, scenario by me. So yeah, like a anything discovery we can do to help. Call. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andrew. Have a great night. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.